0: I'm Andrew Ford, I'm Managing Director of Ford & Dern and Air Conditioning. Um, I'm an entrepreneur, I love business, and I just acquired a gym six weeks ago, just to add to my workload, and I'm someone with a goal.
1: Welcome to this episode of the Someone With A Gold podcast today. It's your host, Quentin, here, and today I sit down with one of the titans of Perth business, Andrew Ford, from the company Ford & Doonan, and we hear the incredible story about their birth and progression as Western Australia's most awarded air conditioning company and who for over 30 years have supplied cool, fresh air to its customers. Now, Andrew takes us back to the very start of their venture where he, together with business partner Carl Doonan, bootstrapped their business and with nothing to lose they rolled up their sleeves and they got their hands dirty literally hitting the streets and acquiring customers and using street smart strategies, marketed their services to now having made over more than $45 million in sales to date. Now, Andrew shares with us what it takes to be an entrepreneur in today's economy and really just gives us an insight to maintaining a successful relationship. And of course, Andrew has helped dozens of entrepreneurs through his mentorship to chase their dreams at the highest level. So without further ado, sit back relax, and enjoy this powerful interview with a successful entrepreneur and managing director of Ford in Dunedin, Andrew Ford. Enjoy. Thanks for being on the show. Pleasure, thank you. What I want to know about and if you could share your story of week, how you grew up, um, firstly, and, and your upbringing, and also just wanted to hear what was your um mindset and what was your your thinking of money and success growing up
0: yeah oh, really good questions yeah so I'm one of uh, three children I'm the youngest I've got two older brothers six and eight years older than me who are a great influence most of the time but older as older brothers can and can't be so I had a great childhood because I had like a, I was almost an only child with the age difference um, but also had the older brothers to keep me in line so uh, at high school i was doing quite well both my brothers had done trades apprenticeships so i think that swayed me into thinking more of a trade so i left school at year 10 much to the disgust i think of my parents who would have preferred me to do um, going on to year 12 in university because dad was a pharmacist and he was a third or third generation pharmacist in the family and i was the last chance to be the fourth generation but that wasn't to be so i left school and did an apprenticeship um and i remember at um halfway through my apprenticeship i was on site with one of the guys, one of the other tradies and I said to him, I don't know what context it came up, but I said I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30. And he went oh, 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 that like a typical, you know, um, you're a trader, you're probably never going to get close to that. But like, so I actually did theoretically on paper get there by 30, so wow. yeah. So and so how, so how old were you when you set that that goal to yourself? I was, I was probably only 16, 17, yeah. 16. 16 yeah, so i always had a... And you kept it a out. desire, yeah. So at 19, um, I was working for the hospital, finished my apprenticeship, and it's a policy of the government that when you finish your apprenticeship, you have to leave, make way for the next apprentice. So, and I'd met my business partner. He came along the last six months of my apprenticeship as my new tradesman. So we met there and got on really well and I was leaving, I had to leave, and we concocted the plan that we'd start an air conditioning business and refrigeration back then as well, we did both, and we had no business plan, no real knowledge at 19, like most people at 19, and we just, yeah, really, it was ignorance is bliss I think was very appropriate for our situation. So we sold our hotted up cars, bought a van each, popped $500 in the bank each, and, and Ford and & Doonan was born. And the other challenge we had was, because we're a very seasonal industry, as you can well imagine, hot, cold, um, in winter time, the first summer, there's plenty of work around, you could sub- we subcontracted, had a few of our own clients, but the winter time came, and there wasn't, definitely wasn't enough work for both of us. So Kyle Doonan, he left the business and went and worked for someone else. And I stayed with it, which was really just doing like probably half a day a week and laboring where I could just to get paid some bills. Um, And then just before the next summer, Kyle came back to the business. And then from that point on, it had enough to um, support both of us. How did you get through the early days um, of building building it from the ground? Building it from the ground. So it's very interesting because starting at that young age has its, its negatives which are obvious of lack of life skills and experience and contacts and all the obvious but the benefit was at the time i was still living at home so my cost of living was very very low i didn't have a mortgage i didn't have kids so i could have survived on literally a couple hundred bucks a week enough to put some fuel in the van and some beer money and so that was the advantage to get us through that really lean patch especially in our seasonal business um, so that was probably the key okay, to one of the successes but again going back in history back then the younger people listening to this won't even know what I'm talking about. We, the old pages, even before the alphanumeric where it printed the message across the screen, we said the beep, beep ones. Okay. And that's all the communication we had. So it was over an answering machine and a pager or- And that was your communication? That was that communication. No cell phones? No cell phones before cell phones. But of course refrigeration, you can't just pick up the message at the end of the day if their cool room's gone down. So I taught my dad, the pharmacist, into answering our phone and being our registered office which was fine at the start, we didn't get many calls, but within a few years, he was more answering our phones, he was doing his own um, pharmacy work. So had we, yeah, we had to grow out of dads, but that was another major support or step up in the business in the early days, having someone actually answer the phone, a person, and care about what the client's saying to us, That's yeah. Just on that, I don't know how valid this is, and if you can correct me if I'm wrong,
1: but you obviously kicked off at 19, I read something that you you and Carl had to grow beards because you
0: guys were pretty yeah. young. So share with us that story. Yeah, so initially we were doing just the service work and and a trade is whatever age and that wasn't an issue our younger younger side of our of, um, of ourselves. But when we decided we quickly realized that selling just time as in labor and a few spare parts was never going to make enough gross profit to sort of take us where we wanted to go and we saw that a lot of the jobs we were fixing were this really poorly installed. So we said, okay, maybe there's a room for someone to actually try to do it a bit better quality. And that's when we started getting into sales and installations. And suddenly we were dealing with people selling them a $10,000 system and not a $200 repair. And that's when our age started to go against us. We found that people looking at us going, oh, you guys are nice guys, maybe, but you don't. are you gonna be around in a year for warranty? And that's when we decided we'd both grow beards. <laughs> so now I can't grow one because it's too gray. It's the opposite, I don't Wow. <laughs> so um, yeah, all these little stories. And I remember so many times in the early days again there was well before internet and everything like that is that we'd go through the yellow pages and write letters and sign letters and um, envelope them and send them out to restaurants and bottle shops who had refrigeration to drum up some business and we'd just pop like a hundred into the metal letter box and expect um, the mailbox expect you know we'd get flooded with calls which we didn't we'd always pick up a couple but yeah so it was a very different way of doing business back then compared to now
1: so how did you obviously persevere
0: through the, the slow periods? Were there slow periods back then? Yeah, they're still. it's still seasonal now in the industry um, and it's never going to change because it, when it's hot people have to get air conditioning, there's no way of staying cool apart from it but in winter time everyone goes, oh what about reverse cycle? You can stay warm with a blanket or a $20 fan heater, you can't do that with air conditioning and cooling, you know, so it's always going to be seasonal. So how do we get through those times? Really, um, I think another part of our success was preserving our profits and not taking them out of the company as soon as we've made them. I see a lot of people make that mistake where they, they want to buy a car or they need this or it might even be a priority expense and they tend to pillage the company of its profitability. Then when you hit a quiet patch you haven't got that depth in the bank account to get you through that. And that applies even in today's climate is that with the building boom we had a massive growth when it grew of 50% in the three years from like 2012 through to 1516 FY. And then with the building structure we was doing 30,000 homes they were building a year and we were on that journey and we grew rapidly. But then it came off markedly in the last couple of years and it's building 10 or 11,000 homes. And as they say, a falling tide takes all the boats. Yeah. So our business has dropped, but how do we get through that is we obviously we shed overheads, but we had the um, balance sheet strong to get us through this patch. So we didn't have to make any major changes that would jeopardize the business or its yeah. position.
1: Andy, the, the skills and our Pretty wanted to hear your your intake on this because a partnership that's lasted 30 plus years that's a marriage. That's, yeah, that's, it's, that's, it's a marriage. It's a yeah. successful marriage. Yeah. So what I'm interested in, wanted, what I wanted to um, pick your brain on is what skills did you bring
0: into the into the partnership? What skills did Kyle bring in? And how did you know? How did it blossom? And, yeah. Yeah, it's a really good question, and so many people ask that about the partnership. And you already articulated it's like a marriage. I I say that cautiously, in case people think we're gay or something, but (laughs) nothing's wrong with anything wrong with that. Um, But I think we are so different people, and that is the reason why we have managed to keep it together for so long. Is First lesson is like any, any relationship is communicate when you're annoyed with them or pissed off with them about something, don't let it dwell. But with different skill set is we're sort of good cop, bad cop. I'm the sort of softer of the two of us. Cole's sort of the harder one. So, and it's funny seeing staff play mum and dad almost against us when they want something. Um, <laughs> but so we bring different skill sets in and Cole very much worries about the smaller things like uh, that are just as important. Like, you know, are we leaving money? Are we buying it from the right price? for? Us? Should we look at different suppliers? I was more blue sky and, and dreaming of, I've been called rose colored glasses that I wear. So of oh, the big picture, the big picture. Though, and Cole's worrying about what's falling through the cracks behind. So I think, again, we complemented each other really well with that. So even to the, to the start, I'm on the sales and marketing director, and Kyle's the finance and HR director, and he oversees the accounts department and still worries about those, as I said, they're just as important, you can't have one without the other. Um, but I don't enjoy doing that, I can do it, but that's not what I enjoy doing and he's not so um, enjoyable out there seeing people like I am. How does one, for our audience out there who may be looking to go into a partnership, what should you
1: look for in a partnership?
0: Yeah, um, I definitely, I think, as we mentioned a moment ago, is that make sure you're not too much alike, although it may seem like you're a great fit because you've got such synergy, it ultimately can, I think, unwind you. Um, so different skill sets, different personality types. I think is really important. Trust is the main thing. You know, is that if you really can't trust them, or you've got even a niggling doubt that you know are they going to always do the right thing? And because it has to be hundred percent trust, unless because you, otherwise you're checking up on each other all the time, which just builds more distrust. So um, like on finances, that you know we never question each other on that sort of thing. we was complete trust, and yeah, we're almost like brothers now in life as well. So yeah, just find.
1: Obviously, so when looking for a potential partnership, trust, communication,
0: um, and, and oh, difference, difference, differences a bit, yeah. Differences, yeah, yeah, so you don't want to be too yeah. similar? No, I don't believe so. I'm sure there's cases but that will um, make a liar of me, but yeah, I, I think there's definitely a, a trait that's good to have differences, yeah. And, and with the communication, we have regular meetings, obviously, like we have scheduled at least tw- uh, two meetings a week, and even though we're both busy and doing different things in the business, we still at least come together for that to share what we've got on our plate, and often we've got to bounce decisions off, final decisions off each other. Um, so communication is, is definitely the key to it. The, the team that you have here, um, how many employees do you know? Yep, so we've got about 60 direct staff here on, on POYG, between our head office at Cardinia here and our Joondalups, our other company store. And then we've got eight franchises as well, yeah. And the franchising allowed us to um, grow rapidly in the early two thousand. 2001 was our first one, and then we're almost opening one every year through a little patch there. And what we found was, and what the main reason we actually went to franchise is we started, we lost our sales manager who wanted to do his own thing, we trained him, he liked what he saw in the industry, and went out and did his own thing and became a competitor. Right. And there were rumblings from other managers, oh we might leave too, and we go, oh, we, if, if they all left, it's going to make, yeah. the, obviously our workload and slow our growth. Then we thought, how is there a way? They get what they want, we get what we want, and that was the franchise. And they work for themselves, but we're all on the same team, and we're still yeah. harnessing our, our um, collective knowledges and skills. Wow. And that was a big success for us, yeah. And obviously you
1: kept the, that, um, that team, by not having them do their own thing, but right. the, the growth started from there. So eight franchises yep. um, now, and... Just looking behind us, I've just had a peek at your numbers. 41 million um, from
0: 2016 to. Yeah, that's our can sales, actually cumulative sales. Yeah, so revenues about it will be about uh, 45 million this year, consolidated revenue. Uh, run us past that. How do you guys just tips on on how to for those who yeah. are struggling with sales. Yeah, it's it's a really, th- um, and we touched on it before the um, before we started the interview. Is that sales now compared to ten years ago even has changed so different? And I think unless you're willing to to adapt adapt quickly, you're going to get left behind. And we see that with some of maybe our older sales guys who aren't so adaptable and like to stick to the way they used to do things, and the used to do things doesn't work nearly as well anymore, if at all, in many cases with that younger demographic. So. Yeah, so sales is, um, is the key, obviously. It's, it's all about sales. And there's a, many quotes that resonate in my head, but one is your your um, market share is directly proportional with your advertising spend. So in other words, you just gotta spend the money, invest the money often, in it's the case, you gotta put the money up front to get it out the other end. So they go in hand in hand? They go hand in hand. So you know, it, again, there's exceptions to the rule, but generally speaking, that's one I believe in. And we we've got the, would have the biggest advertising budget in WA than any any air conditioning company, yeah. Which is again the beauty of the franchise is we consolidate everyone's um, marketing into one pool and you buy a lot better with a bigger pool and more efficiently as opposed to eight or ten of us all buying individually like Google Ads or whatever, we know that you just couldn't get the same traction as we can. How, how did you make that transition from the old school way of advertising and um, to, to the new school? And when did you see that transition yeah. take place? <laughs> There's lots of funny stories here, and you know, question one that again springs to mind is when did when did we drop the yellow pages? Okay. Like the yellow pages was been a staple of our advertising for 25 years. And slowly we started to reduce the size of the ads. But when did we make that final decision? And it happened f- probably four years ago now. We said, that's it, we're not in yellow pages at all apart from a listing. Um, because we used to ask around, who's used the yellow pages? Nobody. And they've virtually gone now, yellow pages. That was a classic example. But we're probably not as fast to adapt as what we could. But this year we're just setting our advertising budget for an FY19, uh, FY20. And we're looking at how much we spend on mass media like TV radio, press, that sort of thing, and we're definitely scaling that back and committing more to digital. So the transition's in place, but it's very hard to let go sometimes. And then you weigh up the branding aspect of of that mass media, where the brand and the jingle is great, medium. those mediums are great for getting that message out there, but a call to action, not so much. So again, we don't believe we should drop all of that. It's of now balancing those. That oh, return of investment yeah. ROI as well. Yeah, it's definitely swinging more yeah. and more to digital. Really just want to tap to those who are
1: our viewers who are looking to go into university. Yeah. and I'll Interested to hear your, your, um, your input on this. Um, do you think university is the best way to go
0: for those who are unsure yeah. of what they want to do next year? Yeah. Probably not really, but um, I said this even to my own kids. You know, gonna, the degree's great to have that bit of paper like we all know and it means something, it's great. So I definitely don't believe it's a mandatory requirement. Like I left it year 10 to trade and it certainly turned out well for me. And I think trade's got a bit of a dirty rap too these days. Like there's so many tradey shortages and there's going to be more when the building boom comes back soon enough hopefully. Um, that there's a great potential to make great income off that too and build a business or just be you know, a subcontractor. So a lot of people just write it off now like it's a dirty word but I don't believe it is and I don't believe even separate to a trade that a, a tertiary degree is a mandatory requirement because so many successful entrepreneurs and I think many of the billionaires of the world um, um, left yeah, f- left school at 14, 15, you hear that quite regularly. That's great. Yeah. So say if someone wants to come to apply
1: for a job here at Fauna Dunan, would you take their tertiary into, uh, education into into account? Or their experience in terms of they have? Probably
0: experience, experience would it. overrule it. Yeah, outweighs it, well put. Um, depending on the position too, like um, with a marketing position, we, we were, looking, were looking for someone with a degree, but if they could demonstrate that they could do everything that we wanted them to do without that, we wouldn't be like, oh, you're not going to get it because you haven't got it. So definitely skills and life skills, especially. And the, we, um, our, we have our philosophy, again, is a well-used one is higher on EQ, not IQ, because you can sort of teach them something, but you can't teach them emotional yeah. um, skill sets. So that's a really critical one is EQs. And anyone with a high EQ probably doesn't realise the asset that they have in their hand in themselves. Just so on the skills, um, Andy. What, what are your top three skills uh,
1: entrepreneurs need in this in, in today's economy to start their own business?
0: Yeah, guts. <laughs> Definitely guts. Um, again, I'm, I'm using it, coining a lot of terms from other people because they just ring. God, I believe them so much. Is um, is people who can stay uncomfortable. We all like to stay in our comfort zones as a natural human trait to want to be comfortable and not be uncomfortable but being an entrepreneur is about being uncomfortable always pushing yourself outside where you want to be and if you're feeling comfortable you're probably in a dangerous space because you're not pushing again you're not forging forward you're you're stationary or starting to go backwards so definitely that is one of the three would be this ability to be uncomfortable and just have vision and and yeah just not predict the future but predict even what you want in life a lot of people don't know that or, or yeah, can't practice that one. How important is visualization and manifestation to you? Do you... Yeah, look, I'm a big believer in, in affirmations and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I practice affirmations not as regularly as I should always. I go through patches with that, again, like most people. It's like down on your prefer- professional development. And I'm a podcast consumer, so I'm not so much a book reader, but whenever I'm driving, I'm listening to um, a podcast like Gary Vee we discussed okay. earlier, yeah. Yeah. that sort of content um is what i feed my mind with again you want to be an ongoing learner and a great networker your network is your net worth as they say and if you're a very shy person that's not going to go well it doesn't necessarily prohibit you from being an entrepreneur but it's much better if you can be a little bit more outgoing not necessarily an extrovert but certainly an introvert would struggle a little bit but get out there and pick up the damn phone and talk to people don't hide behind the keyboard and text like we all tend to do nice
1: yeah. So to, to build business and I just want to just tap off that on the get out there and, and make contact and yeah. I think we've lost, lost. we're out of touch, mm-hmm. most people in this generation, um, always on their phones, um, which is a good and a bad thing, um, but how how can you, what, what uh,
0: tips would you say for a person to, to actually take that step and get out there? And, Again, it's overcoming that maybe uncomfortableness of, of actually talking to the people, but practice makes perfect. So you just got to get out there and do it. And a, another lesson that I, I heard on a podcast recently was is to contact six people that you haven't connected with in a while, be it a few months or a few years, ideally if you've got them in your phone. It's very easy to scroll through. I just haven't heard from this person and ring them up, and just, in, or text them even, and just say, hi, remember me, hope everything's going well. Don't ask for anything. You're not asking, hustling something out of them. Just put your name back into their front of mind. Mm-hmm. So the next time they do bump into something, maybe someone a couple of weeks later who's complaining about their air conditioning, oh, you should ring Andy from Ford and Doonan. One might have forgotten my name had I not connected to them. So that allows you to build your network subtly, and even by text, mm-hmm. And not necessarily, definitely don't ask for anything. And if they follow up and say, oh, I'd love to catch up for a coffee, then great, you can pursue it. And, um, but yeah, and always be a learner, ask people. Don't be afraid to ask people for advice. That's another tip I give a lot of people is so many people have helped us. You could call them mentors, or they weren't official mentors, but just people who you value their opinion, their wisdom, and just go and ask them, because everyone loves to help someone, really we do. And they don't want to be paid for it. They don't want anything in return. Just be respectful, respectful of their time mainly. Don't sit there and take two hours of their time when you could have finished in 20 minutes. Um, but people just want to help and just ask for the help. They'll open doors for you. They'll just give you wisdom and yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. The, the one question
1: I always ask everyone is how do you balance family mm. with
0: <laughs> business? Yeah, very tough one. Um, very, before I even had kids myself, I remember talking to a very successful client with a, with a lot of wealth and he was a surgeon or something like that and we were talking I can't remember the context but the message I took away was he said something like my kids are all now 19 and 20 whatever they were he said the biggest regret I've got is missing them growing up I worked when they were young and that I never forgot that. So I always tried to maintain that balance best I could. Like going to the school when they've got a um, rehearsal Assemblies. on or the uh, yeah, assembly when they're getting their honour award or something. You know, in your day, you go, I'm too important. I've got too many important things. Really none of that's important compared to the, those moments with your children. So is making sure you try to keep that balance best you can. I think you're always going to get swayed, sucked into the business world. Uh, another one I tried to practice, um, in the, especially when I had kids, was not bring work home i would often work till 6, 6.30, not get home till 7, maybe. Always try to be home to eat dinner with the family and then don't go straight back up to your office and, and start working again at home. So work's work and private's private, yeah. Keep the two separate. Oh. Keep the two separate. That's good points. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anyone's uh, mastered it. That's the thing, I don't think right. anyone's mastered it. Again, the phones um, have made that so much harder because now you, you, you're doing whatever and you see an email pop in, and it's, oh geez, I, I could answer this right now. You always get tempted back into it. I get sucked into it myself, so I'm not as disciplined as I could or should be, even though I preach one thing and then practice another. But uh, it was easier a few years ago and we didn't have everything on our, in our phones.
1: Yeah, now I know how passionate you are about fitness, and uh, before we go into the gym that you've just um, purchased, how important is health in business?
0: Um, You know, in terms of keeping your body fit, has that helped you? Definitely, yeah, look, I haven't always been as fit as what I was now, I was carrying a bit of weight, that's what got me into the gym, um, I don't know, 14 years ago or something, just to lose a bit of weight, and then I got hooked on it, Um, and now into bodybuilding. I think definitely there's a synergy, again you see exceptions to it, you look at some people and they're very successfully, they don't look at a picture of health at all, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to drop dead in a week's <laughs> time either, but I think just it just makes you the energy and I find going to the gym, I go on the way home from work now, okay. I've got 5, 5, 30, even 6, I find it clears my head and when I do get home I haven't got thinking work, I'm actually now I can tune in, I'm in my home mode now, what's the kids been doing for the day and all that sort of thing. So I find it both physically and mentally very good for me and I think it, the two should go hand in hand just to get some time out. To the point where you loved it so much you brought your own gym. Yeah, there was a famous advert about that years ago. Um, yeah, so yeah, I was a member for four years then it came. Up, it first came on the market like mid last year. And I looked at it, the, everything didn't line up. So I'm, I'm one also to believe that don't push something. If it's not, the parts aren't joining together, maybe it's not meant to be. And I said, okay, it's not meant to be. So I left it and he took it to the market proper and he had three or four different people sign co- contracts to start due diligence and then finance fell over. And then I came in at the last minute and said, look, I'm willing to oh, give yeah. it a go. But I'd done all my due diligence the year before, so I only had to brush it up a bit. Um, and then, yeah, so I just see it as a great, it's a passion of mine. Yeah. Um, it's profitable, this little business, and I want to make it, more profitable and then potentially scale it up. Andy, I can feel the drive. There's a drive there, there's a passion there behind you know obviously
1: you started this for Nunan, now you've branched off to, to buy, you know, to, to grow this
0: the gym that you've purchased now. What what drives you? A lot of it's just learning new things. I've also been like uh, non-executive directors of, of tech startups and that sort of thing. Some have ultimately made it to a, a listing, some haven't. So there's what well, they say, one in 10's a home run of things. And they were virtually, or they were unpaid, except the one that maybe made the listing eventually. But most of them, you don't get anything for it, but you get a hell of a lot of experience. So I always put myself in situations where I can learn about a company and getting it prepared for listing, which I had no experience in that sort of um, that area of business. So I do a lot of things just to learn. And I think, again, that recipe is just always have your mind open and just be sucking in information. So what are you learning at the moment? Um, what do I learn at the moment? So I'm in another tech startup in, um yeah, passenger information systems for public transports. I'm managing director of that, actually, although I've got very little time for it. Um, I just sort of do what I have to do, and we've got other people doing the groundwork for it. Um, so, again, it's just different spaces. Obviously, I'm trying to make money out of these. It's am not, not doing them all over the goodness of my heart. Um, but mainly, if they don't make money, then I don't feel like I've been ripped off because I've learned so much from the journey. So, whatever I can learn in, I'll jump into. Nice. So, you've got the Fortin
1: Dunn, you got your gym, yep. but I've also known and I've heard from everyone that you are heavily involved with entrepreneurship and, and help, helping other people like myself and other entrepreneurs to become where you are today. Um, So talk to us about that.
0: Yeah, look, again, like I said, many people have mentored me officially and unofficially over the years. So I think also it's a matter of giving back. And I guess now I'm older, I don't think of myself as older, I'm 53. I feel like I'm 33. But um, I think now it's my turn to give something back. And I love helping other people because other people have helped me over my life. So it comes around, goes around. So I'm involved with the Entrepreneurs' Organization, um, which is a global um, group of business people. And they had a group called Accelerators, and they were looking for coaches. So last year I was an accelerator coach for six six or seven businesses in my group. And our goal was to get their revenues up from sort of half a million up to a million by helping them write business plans and that sort of thing. And helping them through the hurdles that we all come up with and I don't know what to do next. And uh, not necessarily I've got all the answers, but I can certainly throw some ideas that may be clarity because obviously every sector is different. Um, but the common commonality of business is business, you know. So no matter what we're selling, widgets or yeah. Yeah. or air conditioners, yeah, it's the same skills. It is. But it's and and that's where really what I wanted to tap
1: onto as well. How how do you how does one differentiate becoming successful? What differentiates the successful and the unsuccessful?
0: Yeah. Well, that, yeah. You know, I guess everyone's got their own definition of success, and I wouldn't like to try to define it for anyone else as well. But um, I suppose to me, is financially okay. it is a big part of it that you, that you never worry about how are you going to pay your next bill? I guess that would be a measure um, many of us want and, and don't have to worry about that sleeping at night going, oh, I've got a power bill or whatever the bill might be, is that you're in a financial position and that you don't have to worry about that sort of thing and then you can provide for your kids. And also, I also think the next generation is whatever I'm setting up now, I can't take it with me, and what am I going to set up the next legacy for my kids and my grandkids? So look at a bigger picture again, so it might not make it all about yourself. But I'm also one that believes you need to... I'm personally a goal orientated person so I'm very goal focused and goal and reward work for me so if I've reached a certain level of success that I've deemed then I'll reward myself with something stupid like a nice car or that is a financial suicidal <laughs> thing to do but not everything's about money as well so I think also you have got to reward yourself along the way and don't just only focus on the end game and never enjoy the way.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, fun of fun smell, of roses smell the roses along the way yeah. Enjoy the
1: journey.
0: So where's Vaughan and Doonan in, in the next five years let's say five years? Yeah, our challenge now is preparing ourselves for what the digital age completely is going to look like so we remain relevant and number one market share in WA and not become a dinosaur of, you know, a legacy of, oh, yeah, I remember those guys and and stay at the forefront. So that's why we're very much big on reverse mentoring now, like my son's has joined as marketing manager, uh, who's 23. So... He is, in, is one of the men, reverse mentors, like I love mentoring people, but that generation gives so much back. And I don't think enough people in their 40s, 50s, 60s even realize that that younger group, they have a lot of skills that we don't, may never have because it's so much as in, intuitive for them with the digital age. So harness the people around you, whether you think they've got knowledge or not, they've got stuff you don't know about.
1: I've got one more question for you Andy and thanks for sharing that. Um, and it's all about mentorship. So who are your mentors coming up through um, as you're building your, your empire that you have now. And yeah. how does one approach a mentor to ask them to be
0: a mentor? Yeah, great questions. Are weird. I suppose I haven't had any, uh, f- so many official ones. I, any mentor, I'm personal, I respect, is becomes a mentor. And when I say respect, I love people who have been successful in business. One springs to mind, it's Gary Brownease from the building company, Webb and Brownease. Okay. He's uh, just recently retired. Now Gary is a super nice guy. And, he, and between him and Dale Alcott, built obviously a very 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 successful business but they're nice guys and they didn't tread on people to get to where they're going unlike some other builders I can think of I won't name who have got very successful but they've trodden on a lot of people to get there and that sort of thing I respect a lot less than the nice guys you don't have to be a bastard in business or a prick and, and Everyone has to win in everything, you know, like be it, um, you're buying something or you're selling something, you can't screw them down so they make no money because that's not viable for them. Yes, we all want a good deal, I don't want to pay too much, but you, everyone's got to win in any sort of relationship, okay. But be, yeah, be it staff, boss, client, so someone who you know, may be 30 years ahead of you in business and they've built up whatever, a big printing business and just go to ask them and that first they may say, are, are you a threat to me? Yeah but they'll quickly realise if you're just starting out, you're not really a threat at all, you were them 30 years ago, and they will, I'm sure, give you some time. If they won't in your industry, look outside of your industry for maybe an allied one, what we also found successful was to go over east and talk to air conditioning businesses over east. We did that very early on in the business. We'd go over at least once a year and our manufacturer, our suppliers like Dan, Dakin, Panasonic, would organize meetings for us. They'd open the door for us. When you're talking to the people in the eastern seaboard about their business, you're no threat to them and, and vice versa and they'll share everything and we learnt so much and we obviously extended the invitation if they ever want to come across here we'll do the same to them so it's got to begin be, be two way but that's another great way is to get over fly over there which doesn't cost a lot these days and spend some time with people over there over east. Obviously make sure that the person that you are being mentored by has the experience and is the right mentor for your industry as well. Absolutely and, and one thing I'd definitely say about using a mentor is value them and value their time most of all. So these people are all busy people and they don't mind sharing but they don't want to sit there and talk rubbish for an hour about their mother or your mother or anything else. So be precise and if you say, can I have 15 minutes of your time? When you arrive, get your watch out or your phone, put it on 15 minutes and at 15 minutes stop and say, I've taken up and of your time. If they want to extend it on, if they're enjoying themselves, Great, but respect their time and don't ramble on and they're going like this and you're not even taking the hint because you won't get another meeting with them. <laughs> yeah, pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So. Okay, just uh, we're going to go into a game.
1: Um, Andy, pretty simple game. I'm going to throw you a word yep. and whatever that word means to you, you just throw it back or a phrase. Yep. Um, so, first word passion.
0: <sighs> Got to have it. Got to have it. Money. The root of all evil, but also the source of much fun and enjoyment. Business. Love it.
1: Entrepreneurship.
0: Love it even more. <laughs> nice.
1: uh, family.
0: More important than business. The
1: Ford and Dunan legacy. Uh,
0: Multi generational. Uh, I'll give you the last word. Ready? Yep. Fulfillment peace within yourself.
1: Beautiful. Andy, thanks for your time. Please. Thank you so much.